following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. And welcome to a brand new episode of the Two Point Conversation Football Talk for Fans by Fans. We're here on the network at BICBP-radio.com. My name is Matt Johnson, one of your hosts, alongside with me, my trustful, faithful companion for your NFL history episodes, Mr. Andrew Lenz. Andrew, happy Friday. How are you? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. So just beautiful, another beautiful day here. Yeah. The weekend's coming, so yeah, what yes, new prizes are gonna bring? It's warming up I'm... here in Western New York, so I'll what's take it, it. What's it there? It's almost forty. Oh, geez, how do you guys live like that? Yeah, <laughs> it's not too bad. It's we're not too six, bad. We're at sixty-one right now, so are you? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Definitely nice here. Uh, actually, taking my kids to the doctor's appointment, I met uh, my our Uber driver was from Rochester. So it was very awesome that I could actually say that I'm from Niagara Falls instead of just saying Western New York. And then when I'm going where? And then I go Buffalo area. So mm-hmm. that was pretty interesting to share that. And she said that she would never, she would, she was done with the snow too. <laughs> that's fair that's fair yeah yeah it's a little it gets a little old sometimes it does <laughs> especially when you shovel in twice a day <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah so last week uh we had our open discussion that we usually like to do for our first episode every month uh about what we are talking about and uh andrew has choice for this one uh, talking about a personal favorite voice of the of National Football League history uh, for himself. Uh, we are going to be talking about the great Myron Cope today. Um, Andrew, what uh, you know, there's a lot of great announcers, right? We've talked about we talked about a lot of a lot of them last week. Um, mm-hmm. What made you choose a I mean, especially a regionalized one, which is so interesting as well. Right. Myron Cope, a Pittsburgh Steelers guy. Uh, what made you select Myron Cope to focus an episode on? I mean, I, I didn't even realize about Myron Cope. I would not even say until like the mid nineties, I would have to say when he kind of, they showed him on ESPN. And then the great thing about him is you, you think of Pittsburgh and you think of Pittsburgh, this is the steel city. This is blue collar hard working and then you think about the Steelers power football uh smash mouth defense Steve uh, steel curtain the bus uh Bill Cower in your face Chuck Knoll all these like super tough type things and then your announcer is Myron Cope 
this tiny nasally voice guy that kind of sounds like this and he goes <laughs> and he talks and you know and he talks about the Steelers the way that you know a fan would and everything else and he says wacky stuff like yoy and everything else and that's i i don't know i just found it so cool because like we talked about van miller i could have easily gone van miller because that's the first voice i heard locally as as a football fan but I feel like he fits, he fits Buffalo. Right. You know, I know he's not like this big, like deep voice guy, but I feel like he fits Buffalo. Uh, Bill King, who did the Oakland Raiders. I'd seen him. He fits the Raiders. Uh, Merrill Reese. I feel like he fits Philadelphia just based on their voices. But then Myron Cope is just himself in his own I don't even know how to describe him. It's just a very different, fun thing. And he's calling football. Like like I said, very collision. Not a lot of people say finesse with it. But yet his voice isn't deep. It isn't seem very strong. But yet he does such a great job of doing it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not super familiar with Myron Cope's work, body of work before like the, researching this episode, but I, I do got to say, I, w- I was really impressed, like listening to him talk about why he is the way that he is. And, and he made, he brought up a lot of good points. You know, he was said he was listening to some, some game or something. And the announcer was very flat. There was no emotion. And when you're in the job, when, when your job is to talk to people, it's about bringing personality to your voice, right? You bring personality uh, to excite people and uplift people. And, and this, I mean, this is a theme we talked about last week. What makes a great announcer or a commentator is, you know, you got to uplift people. You got to make them, you know, want to be invested in what you are, you know, what you are discussing. Uh, I, I've watched so many sports in my lifetime, whether it be, you know, it, it, baseball, but like baseball is dry. I understand why it's dry because it's a pretty dry sport, but um, baseball commentary is like a little excitable. Um, you're from Buff. You're it, it really isn't like if there's a big hit or something it's like oh wide right you know yeah right down the whatever the right baseline whatever um uh, first baseline um hockey though we're very blessed around here uh, Western New York guys Buffalo Sabers let he's a legend Rick Jenneret oh my God he's one of the greatest. Uh, voices of what he did, but he, he's when he, he's legitimately excited. He speaks with passion. He yells, he screams. He doesn't care what people around him think he, his job is to connect and excite people who are listening at home. And that's exactly what I gathered from Myron Cope. Um, you know, is, is that, you know, I I've, I've done podcast episodes of people who are just like flat and have like no personality to them. And then like, and he's like, he's like, I feel like he's talking to me. He's like, and you have to be, you have to be uplifting. You got to be excited about what you do. If you're not, why are you doing it? You know, what's the point of it? And he, you know, from, he's an icon, he's an absolute icon. And, you know, for Pittsburgh, as, as weird as it sounds, you know, as weird as his voice sounds, I was telling Andrew before he we went on air that he reminded me of a, a little bit less annoying Gilbert Gottfried. And uh, when, when he's excitable, when he's excitable, of course. So, but it, 
I understand why he's the, he just found his way to fit in with Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? Pittsburgh's this rust belt city town. Don't let them know it's a city. Um, this rust belt city, gritty heart, you know, hardworking, just like Buffalo, just like Cleveland, um, just like, uh, I don't think Detroit's rust belt, but it's very like blue collar in a sense, very blue collar, hardworking people, um, you know, physically, and you know, it 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 is weird when you're when you try to associate this guy with Pittsburgh Steelers football, but um, you know, and it's really cool because I just found out today researching that his legacy for the Steelers goes. Uh, we're gonna get into it, but goes a lot deeper than just being their voice. Um, he gave them a uh, he gave them a other sense of identity. Yes, that's like, exactly the phrase I was looking for. I was looking to do uh it it was it was a sense of identity it um it gave them an identity and we're gonna i'm really we're really excited to talk about this one today so but yeah whenever you are ready my man all right so this probably would help too is uh myron cope was born in pittsburgh january 23rd 1929 oh he shares a birthday with my wife (laughs) <laughs> your wife was born in 1929 well she seems like it sometimes but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh but he was born in pittsburgh pennsylvania he <clears throat> excuse me he is uh uh jewish parents from lithuania ascent uh just you know ancestry he graduated from i can't even taylor as elder elder dice high school in 1947 my cousins that probably live in pittsburgh if they're listening to this they're probably like no that's not what it's called uh, <laughs> i think you did pretty good with it elder dice yeah, it's not bad it's yeah elder dice that's what it looks like to me uh he also graduated from the university of pittsburgh and and was originally a journalist be- before coming a broadcaster i didn't I know later on, but I know he writ one of the top 50 SI pieces of all time. Hmm. I, I saw that doing kind of research. Uh, his first job was in Erie, Pennsylvania with the Daily Times. By the summer of 1951, he was working for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Cope became a freelance journalist, most notably for Sports Illustrated. Uh, the Saturday Evening Post, the Pittsburgh Gazette. In 1963, he received the E.P. Dalton Prize for Best Magazine Sports Writing in the Nation for his portrayal of Cassius Clay, or a.k.a. Muhammad Ali. Cope spent, oh, I got to do it, I'm sorry. His mother named him Cassius Clay. He's going to be called Cassius Clay. Sorry, I had to do the pop culture reference there. I don't know if you caught that. <laughs> do you know what that is? I mean, you could edit that out, but I had to do it. From, I'm not familiar. You, if hey, if it's a oh, pop it's culture reference, coming, I'll leave it. Yeah, it's from Coming to America. Oh, yeah, the barbers. Uh, so Cope spent the 1983 college football season as a colored analyst for the Pittsburgh Panthers. Um, 1987, uh, named the Hearst Corporation, known as literary achiever along with Mark Twain, Jack London, uh, Frederick Remington, Walter Winchell, and Sidney Sheldon. 
at his 50th sports, I'm sorry, at its 50th anniversary, Sports Illustrated selected Cope, Cope's profile of Howard Cosell as one of the 50 best written works ever published by a magazine. So in 1968, though, this is when he gets, when he moves, he starts doing sports commentary at WTAE AM radio in Pittsburgh with his, like I said, his unique voice uh, was noticed by the Pittsburgh brass and he made his debut as a member of Steelers radio in 1970. So he's right in there. Like he's coming in in a very good part in Steelers history. Yeah. The best time, right? This is right before Brad. I think this is right before Bradshaw, right? 71, 72. 71 was Brad. No, 70 was Bradshaw because 69 was mean Joe green. Okay. 70 was Bradshaw. So, yeah. So he's in there and he did work for the Steelers for 35 years. And one of the, biggest things that he is known for where we're talking about identity wise is he is the legit creator of what I think most people hate about Steelers fans. Cause I've heard a lot of people complain. I want one. My cousin still owes me one for winning fantasy football, but he is the creator of the terrible towel. Yeah. Which came around in uh, for the 1975 playoff game against the Baltimore Colts. And what he wanted to do was he wanted Jack Lambert masks. And then he realized the cost of that. So he was like, what does pretty much everybody have? What can I, or is inexpensive. So he said, everybody buy a black or a yellow, you know, dish towel, bring them to the game. And that's how we're going to, how we're going to rally this team and Andy Russell, very underrated Steelers linebacker was just not happy with it. He was like, what is this crap? This is stupid. Yeah, I thought it was soft from what, from what I, um, from what I took from it because I, you know, it, it's football in the seventies and they don't really know. Like, I don't think they truly understand like the, the idea of gimmicking things. And it's like a bunch of, dish towels right like everybody you know a yellow dish towel. why would it's stupid it's not it's not tough and manly and poof boy does he wrong there is but in that game andy russell did have a 93 yard fumble recovery return and a fan wrote myron cope her name is lisa benz she wrote this poem about that play and I thought it was great. It goes, he ran 93 like a bat out of hell. And no one could see how he rambled so well. It it was easy, said Andy. As he flashed a crooked smile, I was snapped on the fanny by a terrible towel. And that is that is the poem to go along with the terrible towel in that play of the game. A fan wrote that to him and I, I heard him say it, and he, he just, it was just so amazing to hear him say it. But that is his big claim. Other than, you know, being the announcer, that is his big thing. And then in 1996, this is absolutely amazing. He, he didn't sell. He gave the rights to the terrible tally, to the terrible tally, to the Allegheny Valley School 
in Cor- Coralopolis, Pennsylvania. And this is a school for where for people with intellectual, I can't even talk, intellectual disabilities and physical disabilities. And also his son had severe autism as well. So they make money from, so they make money off everyone sold? Yes. That's amazing. Uh, And it's helped raise about $3 million for the school. That's awesome. He could have, that, that was the other thing. When I read that, I was like, this is amazing that he creates this phenomenon that every, I don't know, from what I can gather, every Steelers fan, I think is born with one in their crib. I'm pretty sure Boyd has like 10 of them. I'm, I'm sure, sure he does. I'm sure he his, does. His diapers were probably terrible towels at one point because, <laughs> you know, you gotta, gotta indoctor him early. And he just gave that away. He said, you know what? I know this could help you better than what I need it for. So that's what it, that's what it is. Uh, so he, he retires though. In about two, at, at the end of the 2004 season. And we all know Pittsburgh 2005 goes on a tear and he retired because of health concerns, wanted to spend more time with his family and also doing research, his wife just died. And a lot of his co-workers said you could kind of see a little bit of a, a, a difference in him. Yeah, not as energetic. Um, definitely. Which, I mean, how tough is that? He waited all that time, right? They didn't win in the, um, you know, they didn't win throughout the 80s or 90s. Uh, really close to the 90s. But, man to only to make it just a big Ben's first year and have to go. And they were close that year. And I think go for, I think they finished in the AFC championship game. I, if I'm not mistaken, I, I, I'm, yeah, that was the Patriots. Yeah. Against the Patriots. I think, I think they finished the AFC championship game that year. Um, a pretty stellar run, but man, just to miss out on that. I mean, at least he got to, he, he did live to enjoy it, but you know, how great would that have been to, uh, you know, for, for him, for him on a personal note, to uh, have have been in the in the booth to uh, to call that whole season, it was exciting. I mean, that was an exciting year, that old yeah. five season. Uh, so when they did make it to the Super Bowl, they tried to call him out of retirement to you know call the one for the thumb, and you know he declined partially because once again health reasons, and partially because he was just enjoying retirement at that point. Uh, on on February 27, 2008, uh, he passed through, passed away, died from a respiratory failure. Uh, this was kind of a very touching thing when I was watching it was his family had a private funeral. Because uh, people, I think everybody in Pittsburgh would have came. I don't probably. Yeah. And, but they did do a thing on Pittsburgh City Hall to to honor Myron and it was amazing to see the turnout. It looked like almost like the Steelers won the Super Bowl, but the turnout to honor him. Uh one or two people were in absolute tears over it was pretty which was pretty crazy. And his booth partner, uh Bill Hillgrove, was on TV and they asked him if you could thank Myron for uh for one thing, what would it be? And he said the courage to be himself because that's what he was. He was, 
he had the courage to just be himself and didn't care. And he did his catchphrases with his Oakley Doakleys and yoys and double yoys and a rare triple yoy. Yeah. For, <laughs> forgetting players' names and then going, hmm. ah. <laughs> I don't know if you ever caught that. He does that, and that was because he would just forget a player's name. So he needed a minute to like catch up to the action. So he'd just be like, hmm, ah. He might be like close to Philip Rivers when it comes to making up words. I would put him on. Maybe he is that Philip Rivers of broadcasting. Just that. That wacky guy, and he's going to do what he's. He's just like you said, make up words. Yeah, he's just going to do what he's going to do. I mean. Yeah, I mean, some of his his one line definitely appeals to people of all ages, right? It's 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 kind of one of those things, and um, and that's probably why he was he was you know it's definitely why he was so beloved, definitely why he was so beloved because he what he, I mean he what if you're a kid growing up in the Pittsburgh area and you hear Yowie Wowie or whatever the hell he's saying, yoy. you know, yoy, you know what I mean? Like you're like oh, wow, that's hilarious. Like he sounds like he should be doing the blooper reel, like the the, the old NFL bloopers. Um, you know, the sports bloopers back in the day, like that's the kind of stuff that that appeals to. But when you're an adult, it's just like a, it's a way of life for you. If you're a Steelers fan, you know, that's that's what it is. So, um, you know, it's hard in this day and age to kind of be yourself, too, right? Everybody's like, Oh, I want you, to, you know, so especially like in, in that regard, right? Lots of money being involved, and but everyone just wants you to be this vision of you know, what they see you as. And and Myron Cope never had an issue just being him. And that's why I like guys like him stand out so much. Yeah. Right. It's not the traditional, you know, just kind of go in, talk about it, you know, talk about stuff. It's, it's adding zing and personality into, into what you're saying, because it adds, you know, it, it, it does, it, it, it makes you stand out. And that's like, we're not talking about Myron Cope if he's not the goofball that he is. Um, in a commentary booth, like we're not talking about it today. There's, there's literally dozens, hundreds of, of local regionalized announcers, commentators in the, uh, in the national football league, a ton that, you know, nobody's ever heard of, but Myron Cope stands out because, uh, you know, we, we don't get his games, right. We, uh, very rarely do we get a Pittsburgh, you know, we're obviously not getting it through radio. We're obviously not getting through radio, um, but he stands out because because of who he was and what he what he was able to offer. Yeah, it was in the in those wacky music videos. Yeah, that he did where he's yeah. doing uh, the parody of Macarena as Steel as Steeler Mania, and you know he's talking about just the way that he says stuff like the Jerome Bettis thing. You know, Jerome Bettis, Jerome Bettis. He ain't know how to let us. Like that's. I think if anybody else would have sung that, I would be like, this is absolutely stupid. But he did it and he did it with such, you know, like conviction. And he knew, I think he knew it was kind of silly, but still he, he did it. He did it. Yeah. And people love it. That's why, like I said, I just, I wish I could listen to him call a full game. Like just hear it all like you know oh my goodness he just hit that guy third row into the seat even though he didn't and but he wanted to add that pitcher to the game and he really did 
I'd like to hear him call a yoy. <laughs> I'm sure they got to have full game calls or yeah. something like that. That's got to be somewhere. It's because when I first picked him, I, I, I knew about the terrible towel and everything else. And then, you know, you read that he gave, he just gave up the rights to it to, to help out the school and everything else. And it's something that Pittsburgh is known for today. I don't think they don't, they don't do the chops still in Kansas city. Do they? They do. Okay. I, well, actually, you know what? That's a good, that's a good, I question. don't, I don't know anymore. <laughs> I, I don't either. I, I don't either, but I feel like it was recently. I feel like it was a recent topic of conversation. I think you are right. I think it may have been stopped, but yeah. Yeah. I, I just know that's something that you can compare it, compare it to at that. Well, we'll say at that time, you know, the chop in Kansas city, Terrible towel. Uh, right about now, what would you say? the Seahawks lighting? What is it? Lighting of the twelfth man or something like that? Or yeah, they have their twelfth man ceremony. Um, yeah, you know, it, yeah, twelve. They got the twelfth man. Every, I mean, everybody's kind of got a gimmick, but, but you know, Raiders had the black hole. Um, I guess dog. You know, dog pound in Cleveland. Pound. Um. You know, with Buffalo now, it's it's their Bills Mafia thing, but it, it gave it gave it gave Pittsburgh fans uh, a real just a real identity to to yeah to, mm-hmm. to get behind. And it's still here today. It is From proud 90s. tradition. It's cool, man. It looks cool on TV. Some of the shots that they have, um, yeah. some of the shots like the crowd shots that they do, it looks really really neat. Um, you know, I I'd love to go to a game and experience that sometime. What is it? Almost. I still think the 1980s are 20 years ago, but um, so what is it about 40, 50 years ago? If 40, 50 years old, this thing, the, the terrible towel has been going along. Yeah, that's not going anywhere. No. No, it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing. I think uh, I'm glad that he was he was uh, he was the first pro football uh, announcer elected to the radio hall of fame. So, I mean, that's pretty huge. He is in the football. Yes. He is in the pro pro football hall of fame. Uh, how many of the local uh, announcers are in? I don't even know. I just curious. It is an interesting like thing to think about. Cause you have to be really, really good at what you do to be, you know, to be a regionalized guy and, and be in. Yeah. Oh, that's the NBA. Hmm. I forgot. Google should just be able to read my mind and put in. Yeah. Someday. <laughs> someday. We're getting there. We're certainly getting there. So uh, what? this is just for list of pro Football Hall of Fame broadcasters. I'm not sure if this is like a definite list. Uh, I don't think this is a list because they got like, well, maybe Al Michaels, John Madden. No, this is not it. No, that's not it because Al Michaels shouldn't shouldn't be in at this point. You don't think so? 
No, he deserves to be, but he wouldn't oh, okay. be in it. He wouldn't be in at this point. I'm trying to figure out who's. They don't have a pro football section. American Football Database, Wikipedia. I know Joff Hacenda just got in. Uh, okay, it's under the Pete Rosell. I think it's part of this Pete Rosell Radio and Television Award. Or maybe you just get it. Because hmm. uh, Myron Cove got it in 2005, but then Joe Buck got it in 2020. Mm. So I think this is just an award and maybe it kind of gets you. Oh, it's because it's bestowed by the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Okay. Exceptional contributions to radio, television, and in professional football. So, local guys, he's looks like the only one. Maybe Bob Trumpy. I think Bob Trumpy did the Bengals games, but <clears throat> he didn't get it until 2014. But so it's a pretty guys. slim list. It's a pretty yeah. slim list. Local guys, there's like n- nobody that I recognize on here. Or mm-hmm. when they you go to the side, it shows, you know, ABC, NBC, Fox. As far as back when NFL was on the Dumont Network. Okay. He seems like the only 100% local guy. Like it just says color commentator, Pittsburgh Steelers. So he is, I think, the only one in or to receive this award, which is pretty huge considering the names that are on here of uh, Kurt Gowdy, Pat Summerall, uh, Frank Gifford, you know, Don Crickey, John Madden. Oh, oh, okay. Nope. Van Miller got it in 2004. Myron Cope got it in 2005. So there you go. Okay. So that's pretty big. Yeah. To only be those two to even receive this award for, you know, exceptional and pro football broadcasting. Right. And in, in, in the grander scheme of things, you know, the contributions to the game, uh, you know, those terrible towels are iconic and his, voice led you know they don't really put people on tv and and radio unless they have a really good voice for this thing anymore and i feel like it's because of a guy like myron cope you know to be able to uh just illustrate it i I feel like the the age of vanilla broadcasting in, in football is um i think it's gone i think it's out the window and you know myron cope who started in the 70s coming off of an era where it was very dry and not excitable uh, was a was a trendsetter and deserves every bit of Hall of Fame, you know, awards accomplishments that he that he's ever gotten. Is I don't think we'll ever see another one, not with that voice, not with that personality. No, I mean you could say John Madden made up things, but John Madden had a had a pretty decent voice. It didn't sound like. Yeah, John Madden sounded like somebody that you would meet, but it didn't sound like that neighbor 
that lives next door to you that they just were like, here's a microphone. You want to go call a Pittsburgh Steelers game? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, cool. I'll go do that. I got nothing else to do today. <laughs> right. Right. But, um, very good. I think that's Myron Cope. I would dare to say that's Myron Cope's life in a nutshell. Um, really cool spotlight that we had here next week. Next week, I will be, uh, we will be covering uh, the great Pat Summerall, uh, a voice who many of us grew up with, uh, whether it be in Madden games, whether it be watching um, himself and John Madden together. Um, an iconic, iconic broadcaster um, in the world of professional football. We're going to be taking a look at his life and career, and uh, we are very, very excited to, uh, to be able to do that with you guys. So um, hope you enjoyed today's episode. You all have a great weekend. All right. Uh, yeah, we'll be back on Monday with our, uh, with our what ifs. So thank you so much. And on behalf of Andrew and I, till next time, the two-point conversation is good. Yeah, spot.